Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Sonia Stetzler to talk about how you can promote yourself in an authentic way. Sonia Stetzler is the CEO and founder of Effective Connecting, an executive communications coaching and training consultancy that develops clients' communication skills from public speaking to successfully navigating a difficult conversation. Her goal is to ensure her clients' success in their professional and personal lives through how they communicate. Sonia has several decades worth of experience in management, sales, education, and executive coaching. And she often uses applied improvisation techniques to deepen her clients' ability to foster and develop their communication skills. She is a certified conversational intelligence coach, a member of the National Speakers Association and the ICF and the Applied Improvisation Network. And I hope you enjoy our conversation as Sonia and I talk about how you can promote yourself in an authentic way. Hello, hello, Leadership Habit audience. I am so happy to be here with you today. Join with me on the Leadership Habit podcast, as you heard in that bumper, Sonia Stetzler. And her and I are going to be talking all about how you can promote yourself in an authentic way. Not that weird way, not that over ego, let me tell you how great I am, but in a way that, hey, people actually might gravitate towards you. Sonia, thank you so much for taking your time to join us on the show today. It's really great to get to know you and just, I'm looking forward to to having our conversation. Thanks, Jan. It's so great to be on with you today. I'm excited about our conversation. Oh my gosh. Well, Sonia, we, of course, I love a good origin story or even just how did you come to be, or you could say anything to our audience, but your work is meaningful, right? Even helping people promote themselves in a meaning way, meaning or authentic way and being able to communicate themselves in the way that, you know, they want to feel seen and heard. You do really important work, but go ahead, introduce yourself to the audience. We would love to hear a little bit more about you. Sure. Uh, I am an executive communications coach. I work with mid to senior level professionals within organizations mainly. I work with BetterUp and I also have a private practice. And I came to this role in a very, I would call, circuitous route. I have a background in healthcare. And I realized that after I graduated, it was a kind of a oops degree where I really didn't enjoy the work. Uh, It was (laughs) hospital-based and I chose to go into management because in that role, I was able to see advancement. I could see progression, a career progression. However, if I knew then what I know now about management, I would have done a lot better. (laughs) You know, it's all about your people skills. Yeah, uh, being a leader and a manager. So after about six years of of that, I decided that I wanted to get into sales. I equated sales with education, and I love to teach. I remember, you know, five years old, dressing up in my mom's old dresses, and my best friend next door. We would put all our stuffed animals out, and we would teach. <laughs> so <laughs> I had this thing in my, you know, in the back of my head. So I spent a decade in sales, and I was a top producer in my organization because I loved what I did. I loved the the travel. Uh, for me, it was a dream. Somebody was paying me to travel and doing what I enjoyed doing. Yeah. From there, my company got bought and I decided it was time for a change. I went into a, a training role, quality assurance. And I also had an opportunity to get my master's and coaching certificate, executive coaching. And the university asked me to come back. So I taught 
in the School of Communications for a decade. My master's is in organizational communications. And a decade of that, and it was time to launch. And instead of going back to my healthcare background, what is the underlying skill that you need in order to be successful in any type of environment? It's communication. Yeah. And so that's where the effective connecting, my belief is that you can't be a, a really an effective communicator unless you connect with your audience. Yes. And I love that, which segues into, you know, why do we need to, why do we even need to know how to promote ourselves? I mean, at the basic level, why do we need to know how to do that? Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to advance, if you want to be able to communicate to people about what you can do and how you can help them, you have to let them know <laughs> what you do. And I'm finding that, especially in the role where I am now, where I work with a lot of middle to senior level, especially in that middle manager leader space where they're looking for advancement and particularly women, uh, particularly uh, those from other cultures where self-promotion is not appropriate and frowned upon. There's difficulty in how you do this. In fact, I had a recent client where she watched all of her peers get promoted and she wondered, you know, I'm working just as hard. Why am I not getting promoted? And when she approached her manager, the response was, well, I didn't know you wanted a promotion. <laughs> so she was kind of astounded that I had to let you know, or I had to promote myself in order to get this promotion. So we've worked on ways, and I work with especially women because women tend to have a more, more of a challenge in promoting themselves because we seem to, you know, in I can just recall my father was an immigrant and from the culture that he came from, self-promotion was not appropriate. And I remember hearing, if I didn't hear it once, I heard it multiple times, Sonia, don't be bold. <laughs> so what does that mean? Oh my gosh. I love the, well, and it's, you know, why do we need to? Well, because many of us probably aren't aware of those rules or the advice that was given to us to be successful. I mean, don't be bold. How did the heck did you navigate that? Because I feel like having that I mean, I, I guess that means that, you know, you're not going to like raise your hand. Like, what does that mean? How did you interpret that? Well, I interpret it as don't raise your hand that you'll get recognized for the work that you do. And honestly, in corporate America or really anywhere, managers sometimes don't have the time, especially if they have a large group or a large team to notice everything that you're doing. And as women, we're socialized. We put our heads down, we work really hard, and we think that because we're working so hard that somebody is going to notice what we're doing. And honestly, <laughs> they might notice that something is happening, but they don't know. Sometimes you're, the work that you're doing is, is very much in a supportive role, and they only see the, the superstar or the outcome, and it's attributed to a lot of people. But what role did you actually play in enabling that outcome to occur. Yeah. Which is just unbelievably important to like be able to see ourselves in that equation to know that it's okay. Because I know that earlier on in my career, I absolutely had that kind of illusion, right? Oh, they're, they're going to notice, like I'm working really hard. They'll absolutely notice. 
only to be met with, no, they didn't notice. And then I feel like the bad thing that I might've done is I went from being like, well, since you didn't notice, now I'm going to be probably a little bit more in your face and being like, Hey, can I get this? Which I think ended up coming off a little bit overzealous. Uh, but you know, those messages, I'm curious from maybe how you've seen these, you know, whether it's a cultural norm of what's okay to ask for, whether it's messages that we have seen, such as don't be bold or children, you know, should be seen or not heard. Are there any other themes that you notice within why people have reservations or self-doubt around how they promote themselves? Well, it 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 seems sleazy that, you know, we don't want to come across as braggadocious because that, you know, honestly, if you think about it, I'm turned off by people who are, you know, me, 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 I, I, I. So the way I work with my clients is, can we turn that into a we? We, you know, especially nowadays that we're, most of us are working in teams. We did this. And I think a subtle shift in language to position yourself as a leader is to say, I led my team to do X, whatever that X is. Right. And I would add to that, not just that you led your team to do X, but you need to add the so that, so that you can communicate the impact that whatever it was that you led your team to do, how did that impact the organization or what impact did your leadership hold or have? Yes. I love that. I led my team to blank so that we could do this. So many people, and I feel like I noticed this, people forget the so that part. They always forget it. I mean, what, what, why are we forgetting the impact or the results that we've achieved? Why do you think people forget that? Is oh, it the sleazy thing again? Is that just the circle then that we're on or a carousel? No, because I think we're so focused on leading that we don't think about the impact. And actually the impact is the most important thing, especially if you are communicating to senior leadership because they don't care so much about the actual thing that you did. Honestly, they care more about the impact. Yes. And it's the what's in it or that what's in it for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely, I think when it comes down to promoting yourself, it is easy to really let your ego, I guess, And not depending on what you've learned, but to feel like you have to let your ego drive the course and I have to prove it to you. I have to prove it to you instead of thinking, well, what would they actually want to hear? What do they care about it? So not really tying that. Do you notice a little bit of people just not being able to align that? Like they're thinking too much of themselves. And so they're not able to actually see, oh, that's right. That's how it connects to this other side of it. And so then they're missing that opportunity for promotion or what do you see? Yeah, absolutely. Communication really is not so much what you say, it's what other people hear. And communication really starts with empathy. What is it? How are you in service of others? And how can you address the what's in it for me, for them? And when you can align what you have to say with the what's in it for me, for them, then you're going to make progress. People are going to hear you. I love this. 
Well, and it's the way that you can make the bridge work. You've got goals, you've got dreams, you have objectives or strategies. We have to figure out how to communicate as much as the conversation that we're talking about is how to promote yourself in an authentic way. This is communication for influence. It's influencing people to maybe take action or to see that you're the right fit. So let's dive into it because I know that you've got a few different ways that you would recommend or prescribe of people for how they can actually think about communication to promote themselves in an authentic way. I should actually ask in level set, what does it even mean to be authentic in your communication? Because I mean, authenticity is over, you know, it's a used word. What does it even mean? What does authentic communication even look like as a baseline before we dive into it? Yes. And I really like that question because it speaks to who you are as a person. and. Yes, it might take moving a little bit out of your comfort zone because this is something that you're not accustomed to doing. However, mm-hmm. you're still who you are. Your your authentic self comes through. And if you're not the type of person who is, say, maybe more extroverted, who who loves the the people aspect and speaks, you can still be who you are, even if it is the more quiet, reserved, thoughtful person and still be expressive and still be who you are. Uh, because when you're inauthentic, when you're, when you're communicating and it's not really you, you don't have the confidence that doesn't come through. So a couple of ways that, and we've just talked about one earlier about positioning yourself that I led my team to another way to think about this, especially for those who might be a little bit reticent about self-promotion is think about what you are proud of. I am most proud of the time I worked with a client who I wasn't quite sure if he was going to be able to deliver this presentation to other senior leaders. However, through his own efforts and some support and work with me, he was able to outshine and get a higher speaker score than a speaker that we paid $10,000 to, to address this executive audience. It was amazing. That is a powerful example of that. I mean, holy cow, but, and can I get that paycheck, please? Like, (laughs) no, that's, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know what, that was a, that was my story. It was a moment that I was proud of. It was easy for me to talk about that, yet I didn't make myself the hero. The hero really was my my client who actually did the work. I was support. I gave him the tools that he needed, and he was the one that needed to execute. And honestly, a little bit more on that story, the day before when we had our rehearsal, oh, it was horrible. He couldn't even get through his presentation. And I sweated it. I thought, oh no, I am never going to be hired again as a speech coach because I'm not, I'm not sure he's going to be able to do this. But my client really realized that, oh, he needed to pull this off. This was a, this was a a high moment for him, a high moment of visibility. Senior leaders are going to be there. And the next day he just knocked it out of the park. So um, the meeting planner immediately after his presentation turned around and she just gave me this huge hug. I was not expecting 
What did he do? That's a huge feat. Like, what did he do to kind of switch that around, especially with so many people can relate to that. We're talking about communication and public speaking is incredibly intimate. It can be incredibly intimidating, even for those that do it all the time, because heck, who wants to be judged by everyone? Um, but I'm curious, what did he like? What did you notice or how did he help himself show up as his best self? I will tell you, it was rehearsal. It was rehearsal. And for many of my clients, that is the least liked part of the process. Yet that's the part that has the most impact in how you deliver. Because when you are rehearsing, you're, you're working with your memory. You're working with muscle memory in your mouth and in your tongue. And the words are going to come out more like you want them to come out if you invested. And I use the word term invested the time in rehearsal. You'll get the greater return on the other side. If you invest time in rehearsing. And so he spent the night prior after that, that failed <laughs> dress rehearsal, he skipped the speaker's dinner. He told me, Sonia, I'm going to, I'm going to spend, I'm going to order in and I'm going to practice tonight. And I said, great, I'll see you tomorrow morning. And he, he really had a change. I'm not quite sure what the tick was. I think just having a failed dress rehearsal really lit the fire that he needed to turn the ship around. Oh my gosh. Well, and I'm sure the amount of panic that that individual had had of, oh God, if this doesn't go, what's going to happen here? But it's, I love that, you know, there's so many basics with communication that we just don't even pay attention to, or we just want to say like, ah, preparation, what does that do? I mean, I love the examples that you shared about how preparation, even in terms of the muscle memory of maybe like your mouth and the word formation, how that gets a little bit easier, which allows you to probably say things in a more natural or organic way. And even though <clears throat> preparation isn't necessarily one of the pieces of how to promote yourself, it sounds like it actually is a piece of what we need to do, especially depending on who you're trying to influence. Um, I don't know if you have any tips because this is kind of off. When I think about preparation, one of the pieces that I do before an event is, you know, I like to create a structure of things and like the main point, but I don't know if you have any tips that you recommend for people for how you can actually work on your preparation. Do not skip this. Anyone that's an expert or that you're listening to and enjoying probably prepared on the other side of that. They're not just winging it. That's what allows them to look like they were winging it. Absolutely. What I've learned is that the more you practice, the more you rehearse, the more authentic you can be because you know your material. You're not having to read it. And despite what people think, yes, people can see, or even in a virtual environment where people think, oh, nobody can see that I'm reading. Yes, we can tell you're reading because you have a cadence in your voice that allows us to know you are reading. So yes, rehearsal and the other benefit of rehearsal, once you know your content so well, the lights could go out, the technology could blow up. Yet the show must go on and you can just pick right up. You know where you are. You're, you can be more improvisational if you've spent the time in rehearsal. You won't sound scripted like you're reading. And I am in no way suggesting that you memorize word for word your script. 
because then you are going to sound scripted. But when you know your material and it's coming from a place of knowing versus I've got to look at my notes, then absolutely you're coming from a place of higher confidence and you're allowed to be more, you're allowing yourself to be more authentic as you deliver. Which I feel like builds that likability. They can see who you are. Your message seems stronger or clearer or easier to connect with. And I feel like the other piece that I always notice from watching people transitions, like there is nothing more. Oh my gosh. When you don't know the bridges that are happening or when they're maybe reading everything and it doesn't even feel like a natural transition from one talking point to another, I want to know how it all flows together. And so that piece for me as a as a listener, as an audience member is incredibly important to just feel like I get it. And, and I say that with not with criticism, because I think that's one of the things that I'm able to work really hard on is constantly working on transitions. Cause that's the piece of like, how I look at it is like weaving the fabric of the event of the presentation of getting them along on the story. But before I started practicing, I didn't even realize transitions were a thing. I just did a period and then went to the next slide. Instead of thinking about how they actually connect. God, I've I've probably done a lot of bad presentations in my day. (laughs) Well, Jen, you bring up a really important point about transitions, because this is where if someone has a problem with filler words, you know, the ah, the like, you know, this is where they'll, they'll come out when you are bridging from one point to the next. And if you don't have a transition in place, then you're going to hear the filler words. Yeah. My gosh. Okay. I love that. So that's transitions can help with filler words. I did not know that of even just thinking, go from one point to the next. And I mean, I'm guessing that likely helps you slow down your rate of speech then, or because you're anchoring, maybe grabbing onto that transition and then turning the corner. So preparation, rehearsal. I love it because we're all just rehearsing to be able to promote ourselves or at least influence a desirable outcome. Crosshelm is a global organization dedicated to developing effective leaders. Companies all over the world have seen their managers transformed into leaders through our award-winning and accredited leadership development programs. Our signature BPM program provides interactive management training with a results-oriented curriculum and prime networking opportunities. If you're interested in learning more about our flagship program and developing your managers into leaders, please visit our website to find a leadership trainer near you. Or maybe you yourself have always wanted to train and develop others. Crosscom is a global franchise with ownership opportunities available throughout the world. If you have ever thought about being your own boss, owning your own business, and leveraging your leadership experience to impact businesses and leaders in your community, Crosscom may be the right fit for you. We're looking for professional executives who are looking for a change and want to make a difference in people's lives. Learn more about our franchise opportunity on the Own a Franchise page of our website at crosscom.com. So, so far we've talked about and promoting yourself. So taking stock of your achievements and that shifting from the we to, you know, I led so that, and then talking about what we're proud of, which I, I mean, I actually have to ask this because I think that there are so many people that hate that question. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, John, tell me what you're proud of. And I'd be like, I don't know. Today I woke up today. Like, I don't even know if I did something to be proud of. <laughs> but what do you notice when people struggle with that? Is it more just because we hate self-promoting? We just don't like doing it? Or we're just not used to looking and being like, oh, you actually do do things that matter. <laughs> well, I find that 
when people are asked, what are you most proud of? It's much easier for them to talk about an achievement. It's the way that that question is framed that I think most people feel more natural in asking about what they're most proud of versus, you know, what is your greatest accomplishment? So I think the, 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 the language can be very empowering to ask, what are you most proud of? And that I think enables people to think about a time when they shined and it doesn't feel braggadocious. A story, you know, a story will evolve when somebody is asked, what are you most proud of? And they talk about, they, they tell the story. And I think that's the, the key is to draw out the story um, of their most proud moments. And so you're like the recommendation in terms of showing up authentically, obviously we have to know what we're proud of or what, uh, like what those accomplishments are, our skill sets, the value that we bring, being able to talk about it in a positive way, hopefully without that self-judgment, but then also another piece of promoting yourself in an authentic way you talk about is story. How would you recommend people to use story? Are there any, you know, tips that you have on stories to avoid or when to be sensitive or even appropriate times to use story. But let's let's talk, dive in a little bit more about understanding the power of story as it relates to how we can promote ourselves. Stories can be really powerful, Jen, because it's a way we connect emotionally with our audience. Now, some audiences, for instance, your executive audience is going to prefer data over story. When we think of story, we're thinking the TED Talk, Right. However, the way we tell the story is through data with that particular audience and what your interpretation of that data means. Now, when it comes to self-promoting, if I tell a story, for instance, as I did of a former client, that was a way to link because most people have, have been there. It's something that we can relate to. It makes you relatable. And the story is relatable because most people have been in a situation where they have under-practiced and ooh, the results weren't as good as they had anticipated. So that story bridges the concept and it relates, it's, it's relatable. So how do you tell a story? Probably the best way to start is just in the middle of the story. I find that when you start in the middle of a story, and you're setting the scene, your audience can paint a picture. They can see the situation in their mind's eye. Can you give me an example of what starting in the middle sounds like versus starting at the beginning? Mm -hmm. So when I told that story, we were at the dress rehearsal. Did you get the sense? Could you see this individual at a dress rehearsal on stage? Yes. Yes, I didn't have to give you a lot of exposition about what conferences was, where we were. I started you in the middle. We were at the dress rehearsal and I had a client that was doing his rehearsal and it was a major fail. He, he couldn't finish his presentation because he was forgetting everything. And so that immediately put you right there in the scene. Uh, versus saying like he had been assigned this, like there was this executive that was assigned to this presentation or speaker that was assigned this presentation. And this is what happened. I love that. And it skips over probably a lot of the filler words or maybe the, you know, the struggles that we have with 
I'm not a storyteller. How do I even begin this? Do you start with once upon a time? I don't get it. And so I feel like that starting with the middle makes it just easier to be like, you don't have to explain the whole thing. Don't tell them everything because we want to get to that main point, which I think is always the struggle with stories. Like I have, you know, I don't know if everyone has a family member or a friend. I have two uncles that are the biggest storytellers and I love them. I wouldn't say all of their stories have the same amount of point. I think that some of them might be a little long-winded and maybe they could actually improve by starting from the middle instead of the beginning. (laughs) I like, I laugh at that because it's, but I think for people that are nervous, right, we're addressing a lot of, we're talking about how to promote yourself in a meaningful way. Obviously communication is super intimidating. It can check our confidence and there's a lot of insecurities that can bubble up. And so I hope that they're hearing this in terms of stories. Like if you want to use a story, start Mm -hmm. in the middle of the story. You don't have to craft out this huge ornate story to set the stage. What's happening right now? What would you see if you were looking around the room? Exactly. Start in the middle. There's an action. There's a conflict. So the conflict was, I got, you know, once you, you saw in this individual failing at the dress rehearsal, the conflict there, was he going to be able to perform the next day? So that's what keeps people interested. It's the conflict. And then you've got resolution at the end. And that aha moment, the aha moment was practice, the rehearsal, the investment in rehearsal gets you a return, your greatest return on the other side. That's, that's the point I was trying to make with that. So I think this also brings us to another key in self-promoting. And what I have found to be also quite valuable is to have my wing man or wing person. So what do I mean by that? Yeah. Have a support person because oftentimes it's easier for us to promote others than to promote ourselves. So for instance, this particular, a particular client that I have had a hard time speaking up in meetings where she, she's doing great work, but she had a hard time promoting the work that she was doing. That was leading to really great uh, success and impact. And she decided to have a conversation with her manager and her manager said, well, when I'm in these meetings with you, uh, she asked for his support and he did. In the meetings, when there was an opportunity for her, for him to promote her, he would segue, well, I would start the self-promotion, you know, Mary did X and Mary, why don't you tell the group about what you did and what the impact was? So he was kind of greased the skids and helped her to be able to speak about herself. I find this at networking events too. I have a colleague that if we go to a networking event, if we're going to be at the same event, she might start the conversation with someone and say, you know, Hey, um, I have a colleague who has done X, you know, Sonia meet John, you know, John, this is Sonia, you know, Sonia, tell them about the project that you worked on with whatever. And that helps me to, that gives me the, the intro to start talking about uh, whatever it was that I want to promote. So to speak. I love that's I feel like that's a great way to even 
push your employees out of their comfort zone to help them develop and see themselves. Oh, hey, actually, Jen has been working on something like that. Jen, why don't you tell more about that? I, If you're a leader right now listening and you want to help someone maybe see their own confidence or give them an opportunity to you know, promote themselves or just share, because you will have to do that. I mean, I've worked in organizations where they're like, well, I mean, I don't have face-to-face contact with her, so I don't know. And so we need the allyship that's going to help us find those opportunities to then share it in those moments. And I think that's a really beautiful example of all you have to do is kick it to someone else. It's a way to get them to help them self-promote, help share their ideas, And heck, you're developing someone to helping them reach their full potential or meet, you know, if it's networking, meet that, you know, potential business partner or whatever that might be. I feel like that's, it seems more natural that way. I, how would you recommend even finding someone though? Is it that you kind of have this conversation before? Are you saying, Hey, I'm a little nervous about this and maybe just asking for help or how do you find that ally? Well, it can happen both ways. As you mentioned, you can have that conversation and, you know, with a trusted colleague. So, you know, admit, you know, I'm having a little trouble. I'd love to be able to talk about this, but I'm having trouble getting started. Can we work together? And so that's the, the uh, actually, it was my colleague that, <laughs> that asked me. She goes, we can help promote each other when we're in these situations. And I'm all for that. And so we've worked it out where, if we were at a networking event together, we will, if I'm introduced to someone that, or I'm in a conversation with someone and the topic that we're talking about reminds me of my colleague. Absolutely. You know what? I've got her, I've got a colleague who has done this or could might be able to help you. Can I make an introduction? You know, can I, can I help uh, put you together? And I think that's a beautiful way to, to help support other people. Yeah, it feels it's not as vulnerable. It just feels a little bit, yeah, more manageable, maybe less anxiety inducing. I really like that idea. And I, I again, I just love the way that leaders, I think, can do this to help, you know, rise their team, to help their team have different opportunities or help other people see their team in maybe the way that they only can because of how they work together. Mm-hmm. Tanya, your experience is really extensive as it relates to communication. And I know that there are other things that we didn't necessarily talk about, but I'm curious. And, you know, if someone's looking to improve their overall communication, what are other tips that you might recommend for them to focus on to improve their communication or communication style? Uh, well, Jen, um, I think one of the greatest, the one of the best things that I ever did was take an improv class. I took a class eight years ago, and it was on the the encouragement of colleagues that were in the National Speakers Association, which I am a member. I know you're a member as well. And many of my colleagues had had a little bit of experience with improv. So when the time was right, I decided I would take a class. And one of my frustrations in that class, and and it was hard, that was a step out of my comfort zone for sure, but I kept getting called out for not listening Now, that was so frustrating because I'm a trained coach. And what is the first thing that you go through in coach training is listening skills. And it took me a while to figure this out. And part of it was my fear of not coming out with something brilliant, which you don't have to in improv. I mean, life is funny in itself. You don't have to be the one to come up with the one-liners all the time. The other is 
going into a conversation or a scene with my own agenda, because you've got your ensemble members who also are coming into the scene with their own agenda. And if you don't let go of your agenda and you're trying to push a scene in a particular direction, the scene is going to fall flat. It's going to just fail. So it's like a true leadership example right, <laughs> of why we need to listen and let go of our own agendas and actually work for the ensemble instead of pushing it through. Otherwise we risk failure or things just obviously not going as planned. Yes. Yeah. So listening skills. And I, I, I realize that improv is nothing more than communication skills, the ability to listen and to truly be present because what I'm listening for is a gift and a gift is a piece of dialogue or a word that helps me move that conversation forward or what we, we an improv would consider the scene. Uh, the second is the nonverbal communication. In improv, we don't use props. We might have a chair. That might be the only prop. But everything else is, is tone of voice, facial expressions, maybe what you're doing with your hands or, or the way your body is positioned. And I have to read that. I have to be able to read that and be able to acknowledge what is going on uh, with that particular ensemble member. Just as we do that with, with the person we're having a conversation with. And last but not least, and I know everybody has probably heard of the yes and approach. Yeah. Instead I love of yes, yes and. Well, 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 explain the yes and because I don't know if everyone does. So yes and. So yes and, yeah. So yes and doesn't necessarily mean Agreement, it's acknowledgement. I've heard you and I'm building on top of what you're saying. I'm building on the piece of dialogue that you've just given me. So probably one of the, this is a personal example, but I think it was very, it was a pivotal moment. I was a, years ago, I was a, my, my oldest child was a senior in high school and he came home one afternoon. It was a Friday afternoon from school. And he, it wasn't even an ask. It was an announcement that he was going to this party and he was going to break his curfew. Now, my first response would have been, heck no. And it was a little bit stronger than that, but it was like, it would have been a headbutting moment where I would have said something like, no, I'm taking your car keys and whatever, whatever. I had just started taking improv classes and it was a nanosecond decision. However, I said, yes, and let's talk about the consequences. And as a result of that line, he was able to express to me his need to belong to this social group. And in the meantime, I was also able to express my concerns for him because I knew there was going to be drinking, my concerns for his safety, driving home in the middle of the night, you know, wee hours of the morning. And I had to add, my need for beauty sleep because I wasn't going to get to sleep unless he yeah. was. Home. Oh my gosh, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. And so we we worked out a compromise, but from that day forward, we had been butting heads that whole school year because of his, a senior in high school. Of course, he knew everything. Mm-hmm. However, at that particular moment in time, we were able to have a dialogue like we never had that whole year. And we just started on a new footing with our relationship. And to this day, we still have a very open, honest dialogue where we can have a conversation. And that was the pivotal moment where the yes and, I think, saved that relationship. That is a really powerful example of just how 
that can soften the communications. It can soften the tensions or the competing, you know, values or objectives that each party has. I mean, I love yes and, you know, even in that idea generation place of how we ask teams for meetings. Yeah, that's a great idea. And, and I mean, it's, I think improv is one of the most underutilized tools of helping to, I think it, I mean, I don't know if you see this, you've been practicing for a while. It's something that I got into in the last five years, but just even helping you be more, okay. Cause there's not a right answer. You can't go into it scripted. You can't think about it as, well, I've got the perfect one. You just kind of have to be like, well, let's see how this goes. All right, perfect. And so a basic activity, I guess, with your team, take the yes and have them bring up a topic or, you know, brainstorm solutions and have them practice only answering each other with yes and. Not no, but no one wants to hear it. It's yes and. I just love that example of you being able to like break through probably the the awkward times of a, a young adult and a parent <laughs> trying to compete over setting a curfew. Oh my gosh, Sonia, I've enjoyed our conversation today and I appreciate the insights and expertise that you've given us. How can our audience get in touch with you? Thanks so much for having me on, Jen. This was a lot of fun. Uh, you can reach me two ways. Uh, my website is sonyastetzler.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. And you can find me again, sonyastetzler.com. Oh my gosh, Sonia is a great coach. She can help you with your communication needs. Sonia, thank you so much for being on the show. It was great to have you. And thanks for helping our audience learn how to represent and promote themselves in an authentic way. I very much appreciate your time and your expertise. Thanks a lot, Jen. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. Sonia had great insights on what we can do to come across as more confident. Hey, heck, one of those is rehearsing. But another way that we can improve our communication skills is improv. I hope that you found valuable insights into how you can promote yourself in an authentic way and even what you can do to help give other people that opportunity for promotion or set the stage for them. If you want to connect with Sonia, you can get to know more about her by heading over to soniastetzler.com. There you can connect, find additional resources, or if you want to connect on LinkedIn, she invites you to do so as well. Head on over to Sonia Stetzler there. And of course, if you know someone that could benefit from this conversation, share this podcast episode with them or leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service. That's how we ensure that the Leadership Habit Podcast gets heard. And finally, if you want help with your communication needs, whether that's delegation, conflict, resolution, we've got you covered here at Crosscom.com. Head on over to Crosscom there. You can find out more about our services and our 12-month-long leadership development program. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.